0: Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where it turns out all of our neurotic opinions about the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt, are halfway right. I'm Mary Johnston, and with me is... Uh, Garçon? I'm sorry, there seems to be a mistake. I believe that I'm supposed to be referring to my large older brother. Hello! It's Thomas Johnston.
1: Garçon means boy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, if you no, said that to oh, an actual waiter, you'd be a total, total yes, jerk.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Um, would you like? Would you like to start singing?
1: Um, sure. Boo, boo, boo. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. S a t u r d a y night. S a t u r d a y night. S a t u r d a y night. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y, night. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y. Night. Night.
0: Gonna keep on dancing to the rock and roll on Saturday night, Saturday night. Dancing to the rhythm in our heart and soul on Saturday night, Saturday night. I, 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 just can't wait. I, 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 I got a date at the good old rock and roll folk show. I got to go Saturday night, Saturday night.
1: Perfect take.
0: As you may or may not I mean, remember.
1: How, the, many, how many times did they sing that song in this movie?
0: At least thrice. To beginning, the, and two the middle versions. and the end, yeah.
1: There's actually two different versions of the Bay City Rollers in it, too. What do, it's you, uh, wh- what do you mean? <laughs> oh, over the no, no. The, so they sing the base. So they sing the Saturday night, Saturday night, Saturday night song when he goes to visit the parents, right? But then in the credits, they play a different version.
0: Oh, that's oh like oh, some oh. cover
1: song. But is it, are they still like, the Bay
0: City Rollers, or is it a cover? No, no,
1: no. Oh. I, I believe it is a different. I've the cover.
0: As you can probably tell from the podcast, when you selected it on your phone, no, they don't know, device. Mary. They're just
1: like they're just picking it. It's like chat roulette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a it's, non-dated reference. They're like that a, will always they're like, be just like
0: moles trying to use a phone. Um, yeah, we're talking about. So I married an axe murderer, and the songs that are in it. Thomas, do you want to tell us about who's in this? Who's in this picture?
1: Sure. So. This picture was directed by um, one Thomas, I believe it is Schlame. Um, he was the um, he's a gentleman who actually doesn't do <laughs> a lot of film it's work.
0: Shalame, so which seems no, no, impossible. No, no,
1: he is he's he's like a he's a producer and director on the West Wing. Um, oh. he also did Sports Night and Studio Sixty oh. on Sunset Strip. So he's a big Sorkin head.
0: Boo, um, that, he, that makes he me also upset.
1: He, in fact, directed the In the Shadow of Two Gunmen episode, um, the two-parter, two-parter season finale of season, is it one or is it two? I think it's one, the one where um, Josh gets shot. And also, he directed the Noel episode um, where those who uh, uh, keep abreast of other podcasts and listen to West Wing thing, the one that almost gave Dave Anthony an anger coronary uh, when they were talking about it. So. Wow. So he has a lot to answer for. No, um, he also, um, he does tons of TV work. He also, um, directed some episodes of the Americans, which is a great show. He directed, um, I think one episode of house of cards and he currently has a show going right now on HBO with, with the plot against America, the weird one where, or the, based on a story, I think, a book, I think where, um, Charles Lindbergh becomes uh, president and somehow is kind of like in league with the Nazis in the forties. Um, uh, Told from uh, the perspective of a Jewish family, Um, which apparently is good, but I haven't watched it. Got it. So anyway, so so he continues to be kind of you know a big deal. But anyway, he directed this movie and hasn't directed a whole bunch of other films. Um, This was written by Robbie Fox, um, (laughs) whose most notable other credits of films that I knew or recognized the name of. Um, He did some uncredited polishes on My Girl and also Woody Woodpecker. Interesting. (laughs) 2017 movie there's quite a um, bit of
0: debate around who wrote this movie though right
1: right right, right. they're also neil malarkey um got it was an uncredited writer for this he is a guy who is buddies with mike myers um they were uh they work together in the comedy store players which is some sort of like british sketch outfit um he um th- he, his writing credits are are kind of other like British comedy stuff that I didn't really recognize Um, must not have played well on BBC America or whatever, but he also has like little roles in um, I believe the first two Austin Powers movies. And he's kind of a, kind of a Mike Myers adjacent individual. Um, Of course the headline headlining this picture is Mike Myers, Mr. Austin Powers himself, but this was before he was Mr. Austin Powers. And at this time he was just Wayne from Wayne's world. So, uh, Mike Myers is Charles Mackenzie, and he was hot off the success of Wayne's World One*, which was, uh, you know, fabulously successful. Um, he of course, we of course also know him as the voice of Shrek. Um, who can forget his turn as Guru Pitka in *The Love Guru*? Oh, he no. was the cat in *Cat in the Hat*, which is easily the horniest of the uh, and most sexually inappropriate of the Dr. Seuss adaptations.
0: Ew, um,
1: unnecessary. And do you recall? Do you recall that he was that he had uh, the the one season they tried to like redo the Gong Show and he wore a bunch of prosthetics and was like pretending to be some different British man, but it was him. One of those like yeah, um, this is a man who loves shtick.
0: Yeah, you never <laughs> he, have to wonder. Um, you never have to wonder if you're watching a Mike Myers movie.
1: Right, 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 right. Um, just some fun facts about him. He carried despite being born in I believe born in Canada. He carries a British passport because both of his parents are British. He considers himself to be British, and he owns the last letter ever written by George Harrison. George Harrison apparently reached out to him and complimented him on how successful and funny Austin Powers was and asked for a Minnie Me doll. This is a letter that he has framed in his home, and he apparently looks at it every day and considers it a very important uh, piece of his life.
0: That's um, weird. Don't you think that you could just go to the store and buy a Mini-Me doll? I
1: I don't even know what a Mini-Me doll is, man. I imagine That's it's weird, like an American
0: Girl doll that is of Mini-Me. Maybe. You think but why exists? do you think, why would you write to Mike Myers and ask for one? Like, does, does yeah, he yeah, own no, it? It, is,
1: it does seem to betray the logic of a child, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does seem, I don't I just don't know. like
1: would you Dear Mr Mike Myers, I thought you did so yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's really cool. Um I have a great quote by Mike Myers. Um I have quotes for some for a lot of our um uh, main uh players here. And he says, As a people, the English find male partial nudity and cross dressing to be very funny. It's definitely a color on our palette, and I follow in that tradition. Next up we have Stuart McKenzie, who is of course Charles McKenzie, the main character's father, and he is in fact also played by Mike Myers. Did you know this, Mary? Could could you tell?
0: I, I could he, tell. Uh,
1: <laughs> he apparently spent three and a half hours um having having appearance changing prosthetics applied every time he I don't portrayed believe Stewart, I that.
0: It seems know, to me like sort of, he looks like Mike Myers wearing a wig with glasses on.
1: I kind of feel like it's just fake like like fake eyebrows, maybe some like maybe some kind of like forehead work. Kind of a kind of a Star Trek alien, and uh, maybe he like put put some cotton in his mouth, like like people who are doing hack um, Don Corleone
0: impression. Yeah, well, here's my question. Well, really, I think maybe this would be helpful for context. You hear about that all the time, like, oh, we had to be in makeup for five hours to do this role, and that's why they right, couldn't take it sure. off to eat lunch or whatever.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How long does it take makeup? Normally, if you're just trying to look like yourself, oh for yeah, film. what a
1: what a good question. What a like good
0: does question. it take like an hour? So maybe it took like double. <laughs> it,
1: took, it took yeah yeah yeah. You want to be like it took Mike Myers two and a half hours in makeup to portray himself to be
0: right. To, we don't yeah, really have yeah, like to a be good Charlie Mackenzie. We don't have a good basis to understand how long that is. I mean, like it sounds insane to us. Obviously, no matter what, like sure, three hours sure, in makeup sure. sounds terrible. But like. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that it takes like an hour and a half to just get into regular makeup.
1: Sure, sure, yeah. Like there's just, we I,
0: I mean, it takes like an hour. Like I've gotten my makeup professionally done, and it takes like an hour.
1: Brag, briefly. brag, yeah, yeah, brag. I mean,
0: pretty big deal. Whatever.
1: No big deal. <laughs> kind of a big shot. Um. So anyway, um. So Harriet Michaels, uh, the, 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 the. Uh,
0: Sweet. Harriet,
1: Harriet, yes the the axe murderess um, of the title is portrayed by Nancy Travis, who um, was was who, who was in films and then kind of later on has had a big career in as sort of being like a sitcom mom. Um, she was in Three Men and a Baby. She was she has found recent success with Last Man Standing with Tim Allen, you know the reactionary uh, right wing uh, uh, family sitcom. Um, she was in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. She was on. Becker with Ted Danson, who she was also with, Three Men and the Baby. Um, and she is on the, uh, I think it's Netflix uh, series, The Kaminsky Method, which pay attention, we'll come back, listeners, kind of, we'll come back to this. Um, and her quote <laughs> is. I wish my real life could be as simple and scripted as it is on television. Oh, dear. She also has a great quote where something like something on the lines of like, I really like being in sitcoms. It gives me more chance to hang out with my family. And you're like, oh, you're like a normal person.
0: Um, she found love on this set, right? Who she married to? Who's on? Oh,
1: the- yeah. She, she married uh, one of the producers, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll, which we'll get to those those charming men eventually.
1: Right. So um, and then um, we have um, Anthony... Um uh La Playa, I think is the way you say it, um, who is Tony Giardino. Um, he is, of course, Joe from Empire Records. Um, he was uh he is uncredited, uh, has an appearance as Al Capone in Road to Perdition. Um he is one of two actors in this who uh, appeared in Tales from the Crypt. He is in an upcoming episode of season three, um, episode thirteen, spoiled. And um, if you notice that there's sort of a pattern here, he was actually apparently originally offered the role of Tony Soprano. Um, so he's kind of, he kind of has that sort of like mob tough guy look. Would you be surprised to learn that he is Australian and yeah. became an American actor and intentionally lost his accent because at that time the only other famous Australian was Mel Gibson who also lost his accent. He also here's some trivia, Mary, for you, a Fraser head. He appears in Fraser as a character. Do you remember who his character is?
0: I mean, there's so many men with floppy, bad hair in Fraser. It's you're hard. correct. You're correct. You're right. He I...
1: portrays Simon Moon.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, he's the he's the he's Daphne's uh, bad brother. Yeah, Daphne's foul Manchester. Uh, United to, that's brother. worth
0: it I, when you I thought he was just going to be like whatever like, no I will go back and watch yeah, yeah, I no, would he's never, like a real character I would never in a million like I can't even like picture those two people being the same people interesting I will check that out
1: yeah were you um, impressed, and he to, says,
0: impressed that I knew who Simon Moon was instantly? yes yes I
1: was yes I was very oh. impressed yes you are like the bad brother because she has a couple brothers right she has like her. an
0: unbelievable number of brothers right yeah yeah
1: it's it's a bit no. So um, <clears throat> he describes his character in this very film that we are will eventually talk to when I'm finally done talking about the cast. Um, he describes him as having grand illusions of being Serpico. You know, he's ready to fight crime like his hero did, but he's just not competent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's pretty right.
1: Amanda Plummer uh, returns to our slate, um, portraying Rose Michaels, the actual axe murderess. Um, she of Pulp Fiction, Hunger Games, Tales from the Crypt, um, someone that you and I have both seen live on the stage. Um, she is outspoken, uh, about, uh, about her views that the stage is better than being in films. She rules. She's great. Um, she is probably a little bit underused in this movie. Uh, but, uh, her quote is, uh. (laughs) I don't find anything interesting about the choices a character faces in major films or theater projects. The characters are just cut-out dolls with the American flags sewn on them.
0: Whoa. I don't know. I like her performance in this. I feel like uh, it's... Oh, yeah. Like, this movie is pretty... We'll talk about this, obviously, more when we talk about the movie itself, but, like, the movie has, like, a really strange feel to it, and <laughs> she's a very strange-seeming person, and so to, to some degree... The she fixes some of the tone problems.
1: Uh, yeah, with yeah, her yeah. performance, oh, yeah.
0: no, no, no. I no, like I'm, her in so, this quite
1: a bit. Yeah, I I don't think that she's misused. I think she's a little underused.
0: Yeah, we probably could have did with a bit more of her. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Um, in terms of other people, the only other person I want there's a couple people to lightly touch on. The only person I want to talk in any depth about is um uh Brenda Fricker is an Irish actress who plays Mae Mackenzie, mm. who is uh, of course Charlie's mom. She was also the pigeon lady in Home Alone 2. hmm And prior to being in this movie, she won an Oscar for for being in My Left Foot in 1989.
0: I have no idea what that is.
1: <clears throat> it's a movie about a guy with, I believe, cerebral palsy who's only, um, uh, I think that's right, his only um, way to interact with, or like, his only functional limb is his left foot. And he uses it to, like, you know, work the world. Interesting. Um but she says, if you're doing a scene and you think you're doing it wrong, just swear in the middle of it. And then the director can't use it. It's an arrogant way of doing it. But unfortunately, it's the only way of self-protection. You have to be anarchic sometimes.
0: <laughs> uh, I just so she re- kind of rules, right?
1: I did some like, reading great.
0: about her. She apparently really got, got on with Mike Myers. And they like and he, you know, I, I get the sense that he was sort of like maestro, like kind of, to this cast, which I bet was annoying. Yeah. But now they all have to pretend that like they kinda, love it.
1: Kind of gross. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but she talks about how um, she enjoyed working with him because she has a lot of she was kind of a natural uh, improvisational actress herself, and it was fun to be on a set where that was actually encouraged. So the scene where they go over to um, the McKinsey, the M- parents McKinsey house and mm. she like and she kisses Tony on the mouth, that was something she improvised. No which is like not great in terms of like sexual assault way
1: yeah, and yes, and
0: consent. But I suspect that it was, he was pretty game.
1: <laughs> you think, think uh, I think, you think Tony, you I think, think you think Anthony was into it.
0: I think she was supposed to kiss him on the cheek and she just like went for it.
1: I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, there, there's a number of um, other famous people who are in this movie. Um, I guess with, Mike Myers star ascendant. Um, there are a lot of uh, uh, bright lights in comedy that just kind of wanted to be in the movie, apparently just to be in a project with him. Mm-hmm. So Michael Richards of Seinfeld, which had been on TV for a couple of years at this point, um, shows up. Um, so does um, Charles Grodin. Um, Phil Hartman is, of course, in it in a uh, fairly memorable cameo. Um, uh, Debbie Mazar. Um, is Susan, Tony's girlfriend. She also was in um, Empire Records as uh, Joe's girlfriend.
0: She's really underutilized, actually. If anybody is yeah, yeah, super underutilized, it's her.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a cameo. Yeah. I, Stephen Wright is, is the pilot in what I think is one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then Alan Arkin um, has an uncredited cameo as Tony's captain. Alan Arkin also in The Kaminsky Method. Ah, see, see, mm. so just keeping it all in the Soy married and Axe murder family. Um, and uh, I think that's that's about everybody who I think is um, uh, that that I want to talk about. Fair. You can belabor, you can belabor the the cast too much. You talk about the movie. Okay. You want to tell us what the is about?
0: Yeah. Charlie's a beat poet living in San Francisco, and his neurotic personality keeps ruining his love life. One day he meets Harriet, a vivacious but mysterious butcher who seems to be the one. However, Charlie's paranoia gets, goes buck wild when he's on the toilet reading the Weekly World News <laughs> and sees an article about a serial killer, Mrs. X, who woos and weds men only to then axe murder them on her their honeymoon. Charlie becomes suspicious that Harriet could be Mrs. X and must get his head straight or maybe he'll get it lopped off. <laughs> <laughs> you just like the part where I said he's on the toilet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I threw my head back and laughed. I tried.
0: I tried to capture what I feel like is the weird spirit of this movie with that recap. Yeah,
1: this is. Yeah, this is. This is one of the most thematically strange movies you'll ever see.
0: So, what are what are our themes? Who are our guys in this movie? Um, I mean, this is I, so. Maybe it's about
1: commitment and
0: fear of commitment. I put that down too. I th- I think there's yeah. like a whole kind of ball of like fear of commitment, trust, and paranoia.
1: Yeah, I would just say this is a paranoia thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, mostly it's just. It's, mostly, I think this is just. Ultimately, this is kind of a strange, uh, '90s rom com, with, with with weird SNL sketch humor, and then. The last fifteen minutes are kind of like a like a like a seventies like Dudley Moore farce kind of movie.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I think that the themes are sort of strange because a a rom you expect it to have like a rom com theme, and I guess it kind of does, but mm-hmm. the theme itself is is pretty dark. Like like a like a rom coms generally don't really explore what it's like to be to be afraid to commit it's almost like a it's almost like a just a um a a convenience of the plot it's contrived you know like oh he doesn't want to commit but he secretly does
1: or or it decides to interrogate at the very surface uh kind of level and then expects us to like rise to our feet and applaud how deep it was
0: sure and this doesn't really do either of those things like
1: no no it's Yes,
0: we kind of I mean, like at the like, I feel like at the end. He like the way this ends is he realizes that all of um, all of Harriet's mysterious behavior is because she has this unhinged sister and she's afraid and she feels like everybody leaves her all the time, except her sister. And she's afraid. She's afraid of getting hurt and he's afraid of being committed. So they like do this weird dance where they can't truly be intimate with each other. Or truthful with each other, right?
1: But yeah, but but also, we—I feel like um, we're never get until the plot needs it. We don't really ever see Harriet being weird about commitment, Um,
0: right? Like, or you—you know, like
1: she kind of doesn't really want to get married. But she's not like it's it's just sort of a, well, I don't okay, yes, I will marry you. You're such yeah, she guy. seems
0: pretty normal, except she has like like, I think they want us to think that about asking about the past relationships, and she's all wigged sure. out,
1: but also, but also, if if you're just meeting a new guy and he seems way too interested in uh, in in your ex-boyfriends, I, I think that, that could be a little red flag.
0: Yeah, I think the part so so I'm interested that that's where you think it drops ball. I mean, like it definitely does. I think that Harriet is not as fleshed out as she probably should be. To oh, I don't know if this. that's
1: exactly where drops. I just like just that, you know. Um, it, yeah. Uh, it it also has the funny thing where, as it turns out, in this case, Charlie's paranoia was kind of was justified correct. because it's yes. kind of like it's kind of like as it turns out, she wasn't the one doing the murder.
0: So it was just her sister. Yeah, she's causing the murders, just not doing them. Yeah, totally. Right. Which is... Yeah, it's kind
1: of, so it's like a weird... That's a weird. That's so weird. I don't... Does Does anybody learn and grow in this? I mean... I don't... I, it, no. It tells... It wants us to feel like they do. Yeah, but no, I don't. it
0: absolutely doesn't. Because it makes it so... Like, actually, Charlie was right the whole time. And... Nice also harriet was right the whole time because he was trying to leave her the whole time because he was paranoid and he's still paranoid and she should still be afraid because we know as the audience watching it that his paranoia is not founded it just so happens in this particular case that he was right but like the whole first scene where he's talking about how i I believe we are we we aren't meant to think that uh that his first girlfriend who stole his, ca- that he mentions who stole his cat or the poor woman who smells like beef soup. Um, like those people were, I think were meant to believe he's crazy. Like they probably yeah, yeah, were yeah, totally yeah, fine to be... and he self-sabotaged the relationship. Right.
1: Or he's looking for, and, and I feel like the, actually the, I think the relationship that, uh, between Tony and Charles is actually kind of good. It's a better than average kind of like rom-com buddies sort of dynamic. Yeah. And, and he basically calls him on his shit a couple times when it comes to this sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So part of the reason I think that this message is so weird is because it's trying to retrofit a rom-com, which typically are not about men either. So that's unusual, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah. weir- it's, it's unusual that it's told from the male perspective. So y- you kind of almost have this opportunity, but it follows the same sort of thing. The like the the traditional gender norm of a rom com is that the woman's afraid of getting hurt and the man is afraid of committing and like the mm-hmm. the ultimate um, where those things delta together is like how they meet and then eventually like the mating pair can ascend right because they get over there sure. they right. get over whatever right, right. problem they have between them which usually is outside of actually them. But somehow fixes their own inner turmoil. So this is kind yeah, of, no,
1: it's kind of it, yeah, it's, it's, it turns out neither of them is mentally ill. They just didn't read the right partner yet.
0: Right. So it, it has all that <laughs> same stuff, but it's told from the male point of view, which I think is also sort of strange because I think it kind of betrays how a lot of rom coms aren't drawing like a clear picture. We're just so mm-hmm. used to the same sort of story being told about women that we accept that it's that it's okay. But mm-hmm. like, if you flip it. If you flip it, you're like, oh, that's really weird, actually. No, like Charlie should go to therapy. Like he doesn't just need a kicky lady to like shake him up. Like, well,
1: and in fact, and in fact, Tony, the secret hero of this movie, at one point tells him he needs to go to therapy.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's sort of. I guess. I guess you could make the argument that maybe Harriet's like uh, a manic pixie dream girl, sort of, um, or like a
1: manic pixie dream butcher.
0: Yeah, or I guess I mean, like but I mean
1: actually when you watch them interact though it 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 goes both ways cuz Charlie also is kind of a manic Pixie oh, he's Dream a Poet. A
0: total nut. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's sort Nadia, of, I am coming. It's sort of I would say I would say that um this that uh Garden State wishes it was as fun as this movie is. But it's a very yeah, yeah, yeah. Si- it's a weirdly similar story. Um. Just yeah, sort, Mike sort of. Myers is also kind of a goof, so that's helpful. But yes. But what's strange about it is so you have that as like the plot, and then the horror. I would say is pretty pretty comedic overall. Oh yeah.
1: Like how many look, think about that final axe murdering sequence on the roof? Yep. There are no less than three, possibly four crotch shots in 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 that like seven minute block.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's very slapsticky and silly. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you do have like. It is, it is, it does seem like the, the, the emotional damage and, and, and things that they do to each other does seem kind of bad. Like the scenes, the scenes where he fights with Harriet
1: mm-hmm.
0: are kind of like sometimes hard to watch.
1: I don't know. I. Yeah, I mean, my, um, I feel like we're kind of, I'm kind of all over, all over my notes here, but it, it, I feel like what really happens is I think you can kind of divide the movie up into a couple different blocks in the beginning. It's very sticky and very, uh, you you can tell like where he, the, I thought I ordered the, the large cappuccino. Hello. Hello. And you see that, uh, Tony is dressed like Huggy Bear for kind of like dressed like a pimp for kind of no reason. Mm-hmm. Something that never returns because he has excellent style later. Um, and it just kind of feels a little goofy, Omi. and he get introduced he introduced to his uh to the um kind of kind of like like sort of sets the table. Then it becomes actually like I think a pretty good '90s rom com sort of thing, and he and uh, Mike Myers and um uh Nancy Travis have pretty good chemistry. I think that's fun. We have some fun montages and stuff. We meet his wacky parents, and it's it's like it's like it's rom com. It's fine. Um, There is sort of the, like, axe-murdering paranoia plot, but that usually is just kind of showing that, like, you know, that uh, Charlie is just kind of nuts. And then they go on their honeymoon, and the whole thing kind of goes – or, no, sorry. Then he starts to suspect that she's Mrs. X, and so he has to act like a cartoon lunatic, a rat, like these people who have good chemistry and normal, and they're, like, joking around. Suddenly he, like, doesn't want to drink the shake because he thought maybe she murdered someone. Yeah, right. And so we get – he, he like he like acts like a living cartoon character. Like mm-hmm. it's, I, for me, it's not hard to watch. Like in a weird abusive way, it's hard to watch because it's just like a we, it's it's such a
0: yeah no, no I don't a mean a screwball
1: unhinged kind of performance yeah. and not in like a fun way. It's just you know like a,
0: an uncomfortable way to watch. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a it's an Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein kind of like. Isn't it hilarious to see someone pretend to be scared like? <laughs> 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 kind yeah, of. yeah, yeah, yeah. It has that feel to it. Um and then and then at the end it beco- and then the, the last part of it basically becomes like I said like a Dudley Moore movie like a like uh what's that thing with the snake you know, what I'm talking about?
0: Oh, um uh foul play.
1: Yeah, it becomes kind of like foul play, you know, even with like all the people at the party being like, "Oh, you'll know what to do." <laughs> Sex. Put him in the chair. I mean, you know what I mean? Where it's kind of like, "Wait, where where did this come from?" So it's kind of a weird It's one of it's so this is the kind of movie where you watch it and you're like, this was a troubled production. Were there reshoots? Like there's tonally, this is all over the place. They they it seems like they shot a bunch of film and were like, we're going to make this into a movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, the, and it just kind of ends. Right. Like, so yeah. we find out she's not the axe murderer. And then he like does a poem as opposed to a poem about all his breakups. He does a poem for her that is about right. how much he loves her <laughs> and then she's like yay and then bo- that there she goes and shots of like a weird night shot panning night shot of San Francisco
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah so like you get the sense that he also didn't really know how to end this movie based on what the product was to me it feels like a bunch of little vignettes like it feels yes. it feels almost like like there is a narrative that connects it all together but you oh it's almost so thin that you could just snap it and it could just be um little sketch comedy moments like oh it's a weird wedding like you could do that oh it's a weird yes. you just met your friends your girlfriend's friend and now you're naked in front of her like you don't need really the narrative Which,
1: what, a, what a mess oh yeah. man yeah, that seems yeah, yeah.
0: yes. tough um I will say what I love is that Charlie is enough of a big deal for the beat poet scene that he has his own band that plays for him and yes. he always has a projector set up
1: which which he uses to dox his ex-girlfriends and spread possible slander about them.
0: Yeah.
1: He's not a, not a good guy.
0: No. No. <laughs> not a good guy. Um So, like, so the term that is used to describe what this movie is, is a romantic black comedy film. I feel Uh, like that, like, wallpapers over so much of what's what's actually good about this film. And also, like, kind of is like, you can tell that that is a weird Frankenstein category.
1: Yes. And and I think you could have a romantic black comedy. I I think that uh, labeling it as such means you don't really know what a black comedy is.
0: Right, yes. Like, would you consider um, Four Weddings and a Funeral a black comedy? No, right?
1: mm, No,
0: no. It has elements that are a little bit, like, crazy, but it's not, or, like, uncomfortable, like, death, right? But it's Mm -hmm. not a black comedy the way that we understand the word to mean, which is basically, like, watching really horrible things happen, but that are comedic, right? Right. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, I th- this is just this is just a just a rom-com. It's just a strange it's, it's It's. just possibly tonally one of the strangest ones you'll ever see.
0: I, what I think it is. I think it's a romantic horror movie.
1: I, I mean, maybe I don't. My contention would be that there is very little that's actually horrific. There's stuff that could be horrific, but the way it's portrayed doesn't.
0: Yeah. But like like, like <laughs> the pieces would make sense for that though. The paranoia, yeah. obviously the axe murdering, obviously right. like kind of like scenes of not being sure who the person is next to you in a bed. Like those sorts of things make sense.
1: Uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like like the ingredients to make a horror cake are here, but they're not they're not really they're not they're not really used or it the the parts that are horror are just so goofy that you don't
0: yeah also romantic horror comedy i think that they just realized that that sounded insane yeah but that i think is what they're trying to do but they just called it a black comedy because sure yeah at least that's a thing mm-hmm. um
1: you you can definitely tell when you watch the trailer that they tried that the trailer leans very much into the 70s screwball or like like it this the parts of it that are horror seem to me to be like a movie that's poking fun at horror. Sure. That kind of movie. Kind of almost like kind of like Clue or something, like that sort of just like zany, you know, people running around and shouting and slamming doors kind of movie.
0: Yeah, it has like a little bit of like young Frankenstein energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um I will say though so, like, this movie totally is a mess. I don't know if I would care about this movie if it wasn't such a mess.
1: Oh, sure. I So, I think this is a this is a movie that both you and I watched as kids, um, strangely.
0: On <laughs> Comedy Central.
1: Fu- right. And it was fun because it's it, it's fun because I think that for us, Austin Powers was already a thing. And then you watch this. This kind of show is almost like from alternate reality where Austin Powers didn't just eat Mike Myers' career. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, it's fun because it, it, I think it, I think it's fun because it is a mess. I think that uh, as it stands, Mark, Mike Myers sort of is like the secret sauce and everything that's good about it is or you know, the stuff that's good and, and, and fun and palatable about it is because of him. But also he also kind of ruins the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like a double edged sword. So like they wrote this movie, right? and right. then they and they considered a bunch of people and then they got mike myers and then mike myers basically rewrote this movie right, right. right. so
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of weird like this movie is weir- this movie seems to presume that you have a lot of stereotypes about the scottish people yeah we could call them that, the scotch the- just to be annoying <laughs> but um,
0: or, that, <laughs> like, like, a- or that like or that like that there are people, there are Scottish Americans who take their Scottishness very seriously.
1: And indeed, those people probably do exist. But like, yeah, it's but when you realize that in the original script, apparently Charlie was supposed to be Jewish
0: and like he and, and they offered it to Woody Allen. It makes a lot yeah, of sense. Chevy
1: Chase was the original pick. And then Woody Allen, Martin Short, all considered. Oh, for the can lead. you imagine
0: how bad this movie would be if Chevy Chase had gotten it? It would, have just, it would have just been like endless... <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm still thinking about if they gave it to the Woodman. Oh man, like, that Woody would Allen.
0: have been un. Well, no, you know what that would be like. That would be like the Jade Scorpion or whatever that is. It would be like, oh a, yeah, yeah. It'd be like an overwrought, non-enjoyable genre piece. That's what it would be like.
1: No, you're totally right. You're totally right. I can't right. Yes, really yes,
0: think of. I mean, like maybe it'd be like a foul play. Just like, I, I think he would. Th- I think you would be like genuinely afraid of Chevy Chase in this role. He has too much, like, (laughs) sociopathic energy to pull this off.
1: It would be a little bit too realistic.
0: Right. Or you would be like, I think he's the axe murderer. Actually, he is Mrs. Axe. I
1: I didn't, like, track down a script or anything like that. But apparently the original script was was supposed to be a little bit more about paranoia and less about fear of commitment. And then when Mike Myers got involved, he injected some of this about the commitment and fear of commitment and he apparently really liked the San Francisco uh, uh, like scene and the poetry the cafe and how,
0: scene yeah
1: yeah there's some great quote. I didn't write it down, unfortunately, but he says something on the lines of like, yeah, you know, people aren't even going to bars anymore. They're going out for coffee, which is, I think, the sign of having reached a certain age in your life where maybe you aren't going to the bars quite as much as you used to. And you're like, yeah, all the cool people are maybe having to slow down with their drinking because they get a little bit too hungover and they just can't can't hang exactly. The
0: yeah, I, I read <laughs> that you know same I mean? quote. Like, and I thought it was really <laughs> funny. And actually, I paid attention. I, it's, it's, I don't think he drinks in this movie.
1: Um yeah I mean, but i mean unless unless you you mean that Stuart drinks,
0: oh yeah, Stuart does drink, no, I don't he, mean he that. Definitely. they're they're different people <laughs> Stewart definitely drinks like you can uh, there's sort of a generational divide, I feel like where you see like old drunk people and then like sober as a judge, smoothie and and cappuccino drinking young people, which is sort of funny,
1: yeah, 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 yes, but yeah anyway, so um. I think that, so so with that in mind, you know they kind of I think gave Mike Myers like free reign to to riff and because he was a big he was a big deal on Saturday Night Live too and he's coming a lot he's coming there.
0: off Wayne's World he's hot he's hot 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 right.
1: yeah right right and this was a chance supposedly to do some comedy and also do some serious acting which he does but not in the way that that normally gets used where you're like doing mostly serious acting and then there's also like funny stuff that happens or something
0: yeah he didn't Instead, pull it's just off just like a like, Jim Carrey who's right, like
1: right. he's just doing comedy. Period. And also he does some serious acting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Or the the comedy is not tailored to the serious acting that he wants to do, nor is the serious acting tailored to his comedy.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um I do like don't you think I kind of think his poetry voice is a little bit like the coffee talk voice he does.
0: Yeah, I, I uh, the things that I he the, gets
1: a little he gets a little New yorky when he does
0: it. The jokes that I like the best that he does. I like all the cafe scenes. I also love there has never been a warmer, more sober crowd than are in that coffee shop. Those people like he gets up there and just crushes it. They love him.
1: And let's just agree. Let's just agree. Right. His poems are dog shit. His
0: yeah, they're, they're very bad. They're very, very bad. Um, high production value, low quality poetry.
1: And yeah. you can say this, Mary, as if I can reveal to our to our audience, as someone who was a part of a slam poetry scene for a
0: while. That is very true. Yeah, which is which I will say slam poetry is like absolutely not as cool as beat poetry, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> But I will say that the poems in general were much better than Charlie's.
1: Do you, so I, (laughs) in my notes, at first, at first when I was, because it's, it's tricky to revisit something from your childhood that you love, but then have to revisit critically and be like, oh, this is a big old mess. Like, maybe if I hadn't been a child, you know, like.
0: Right. Is, would this, is this, would good? this, is this capture not good? my imagination the right. same if way? If I
1: watched this, if I watched it cold tomorrow, an- would I? You <laughs> the know.
0: answer is, of course, no. But that's okay. But,
1: yeah, right. But um, in my notes, initially, I write something like, uh, why can't Charlie just be an architect or a, like a screenwriter or a novelist or like a normal rom com layabout kind of job?
0: Yeah. Arch- <laughs> but then, architect but like, is the perfect job for that. Yeah. Or in publishing. Right, right. They're all in architects and yeah. publishers.
1: Right, right, right. Feel like they're in New York usually, um, but the uh, but then uh, about midway through it, like where he where he's doing the so love ved, mm-hmm. he just wrote it's super great that Charlie is a poet. Also, how great is it that apparently that's his job?
0: Yeah, I think that's what he does for like money. Yeah.
1: But ha- so how does the co- I mean, we don't see him like pass the hat around after. his. Maybe he's like he maybe he's like the, house, the coffee shop. He's the yeah. house
0: beat poet. They have. They, he, he gets paid like a regular salary, you know.
1: Right. I guess I guess they now supply him with little like,
0: votive candles to blow out.
1: This is exactly like um, this is exactly like Louie or any of those or any of the, you know, subsequent uh thinly veiled possibly autobiographical things where we discover that all comedians are secretly philosopher kings mm,
0: you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm.
1: maybe comedians are our beat poets oh God. can you imagine so just speculate this is a noble thing but i bet not to either of us at this very moment do you think that the san francisco coffee house scene was ever in any way like what is portrayed here. I
0: Well, maybe in, like, the past that this movie is not set in, potentially. Like, Jack Kerouac, <laughs> You mean, like, like when, Jack,
1: when all these guys are, like, doing Benzedrine and, like, smoking jazz cigarettes?
0: Yeah, no, I'm definitely way less sober, for sure. I mean, yeah, like, do do I think that people used to gather in coffee houses to imbibe... <laughs> like,
1: did people drink coffee indoors? No,
0: no, yes. Yes, no, do I think that people, that, like, a... a enraptured audience gathered to listen to beat poets perform and like, and like, ooh and ah for their genius. Yeah. Do I think that it was happening in the nineties? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> it's very weird. Like he even's like a lot of the yeah. beat poets used to hang out here and you're like, Oh, that's right. You are completely removed from time.
1: But it's also funny. Cause he doesn't, when you, when you hear that, you could imagine that they might've done something kind of like uh, swingers. Where he is a um, where he could be like a sort of like self-consciously sort of retro guy. Sure. But he definitely is not. He's got like goofy, poofy hair and he wears like, ah. and he wears like a blazer and stuff.
0: Uh, my partner, your brother-in-law, Andrew, pointed out that he's got a lopsided butt cut. And it is true.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yes, yes, very much so.
0: A slightly he off-center has- butt cut, but not off-center enough that it's not a butt cut. It's definitely a butt cut.
1: His hair is somewhere between my middle son's hair and Kristoff, um, the reindeer herder from Frozen.
0: Kristoff definitely has a butt cut. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Yes. It's unfortunate. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, you should you should fix your uh, middle child's hair situation if you think it's at all approaching a butt cut. <laughs> well, he's he's two. Just part it on the side.
1: I will I will say something, though, that um, occurred to me while watching this. And maybe this is the thing where you look back in time and you just imagine that the past was terrible. But I thought it was actually kind of good that we have a 90s broad comedy set in San Francisco. And I did not detect any homophobic humor. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. I mean, well,
0: Stewart says homophobic things to his own son, but that's not. It's right. Yeah. yeah, But
1: uh, yeah, Correct. Correct. Yeah. But I don't. I I just thought you know there wasn't there wasn't like some scene in the Castro you know kind of yeah I yeah, thought, yeah yeah, yeah. Like, we don't have kudos like a... to them for not
0: yep yep um yeah for sure the scene the scene also with uh with uh, uh Phil Hartman up where he's talking about
1: oh yeah oh yeah yeah Ugh. let's just talk about that so Phil Hartman of course now like a you know a comedy saint and everything but that scene is that scene is terrible
0: that scene is not funny the only thing that's funny about it is when he's being very very serious at the beginning and then he reveals that people call him vicky that is the only funny thing i would which wait
1: hold on is that is that that's not is that homophobic that's not homophobic
0: i I would say it's like i just
1: did i just give kudos to a movie that then talks about prison bitches yeah
0: well the prison bitches thing is definitely (sighs) bad um, yeah, I
1: guess I'm canceled now.
0: <laughs> canceled. Uh, no, I don't think the Vicky thing, uh, maybe it's like no, a no, little yes, bit would... misogynistic, but I think it's just anytime it's funny when someone has a name that you didn't expect them to. No, like,
1: no, for sure. For like sure. if his yes. name was
0: Benny, that would also be funny. Like it's just funny because Vicky is, tends to be sort of like a cute little old person name or like a kind of a like a, you know, it, it's not a name that you expect right, right. A, a, a tough, weird security card to have.
1: Well, and so, so the scene and, and I, again, I'm not, I do not presume to be a comedian, but um, the scene is, the scene is funny because he is so intense and buttoned up and Charlie and Tony just want to kind of like talk about this new girl that Charlie's Twitter painted with and he, and they keep sort of like interrupting him and stepping on his spiel. Mm-hmm. So it would almost be better if he was constantly professional and also very like angry at them
0: <laughs> yeah he doesn't and, and seem the to fact he, he
1: tells a, a, a weird gross story that doesn't isn't, isn't part of that like it's not funny
0: yeah no it, it, he's completely he's almost like he's like super imposed on the movie and like what he says does not make a dent I think the joke is supposed to be that he's like clearly so inappropriate and so serious and and that they kind of know him. They're like, "Oh, Vicky, mm-hmm. he's great." Like that. Yeah. Th- that is the part. Like when he says his name is Vicky, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, Vicky's the best." Like I. That was funny. But then right. they they have like an interaction about the prison bitch as well, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's like he doesn't even like land in the movie. It's like in a it's like a ethereal to the action of the film, in a way sure. that's distracting and not. And, and not, um, I don't know. Why, why, why did they do it that way?
1: Yeah, I, I think maybe this is a movie where maybe too much improvisation happens because, um,
0: I mean, it's not like... Caddyshack. I feel like Caddyshack is the ultimate of that where you're like, <laughs> there is not a plot here.
1: Right. Well, right. No, but like, um, do you like, uh, let's talk briefly about Charlie's mum. Who is who is fun, but I, the the parts where she wants to like smooch on and grab Tony's
0: butt, I, I do not like. I do not like those parts. No, she's way more fun when she's telling uh, Charlie he's got to pickle up his arse and like.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like you just want and because also um so so but the whole Are you sexy wee bastard and then later you see, then then after. Then, we, then after they leave, you get sort of a like a cut to her in the house. You could tell she's just kind of like, whew, like she's a little bit hot and bothered or maybe kind of like still got it.
0: Yeah, that's which, funny.
1: But- which, which is funny, but we also just saw her totally maul the guy. Like it would be way, like I think it would be better it was if a little the subtler. joke is something like Tony is catnip for older women. And what you see is her just be like, oh, Tony, thanks for coming. She gives him a little kiss on the cheek. And then later you see that she's like totally swoot, Like she just thinks that's the best. Because remember, um, at the anniversary party, the older woman also wants to dance with Tony. So like, you know, I mean
0: Yeah, that's funny. I, yeah. I, yeah,
1: yeah I, I don't know. I don't like, lo-
0: I don't like I don't like it. I feel similarly <laughs> about Stuart, to be honest with you. I like Oh I I like yes, the idea of the character of Stuart, but the stuff he generally says I'm not as into. No,
1: no. Stuart is too I, I just wrote Stuart, do not like um the there is one thing that i do like his speech at the anniversary where he talks about may and like some of you were some of you were were there some of you were weren't born yet some of you were did um mm-hmm. i like and then it's something like uh you know and through thick and thin and you know it could have been worse and then they like hug and she emotes great to this weird like defaced Mike Myers who can only kind of move his face under the prosthesis stuff yeah um but that part is sweet and that part is cute and 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 in that moment Charlie is supposed to like realize that he wants what his parents have which is companionship and love and everything which is weird because earlier on we saw his mom like definitely wants to get on his best friend
0: yeah also Stuart's not not terribly nice to Mae, generally speaking
1: but he's but he's nice sort to her that he is to any other member of his family he, sidebar he is supposed to be charlie's little brother
0: i think so although they interact as if they are like <laughs> our work colleagues that work in separate offices we're like oh hi good to see you how was your trip okay great Nice. Yeah, like that's no, no, such yeah. a weird interaction
1: yeah all of it the yeah so apparently did you know that sh- that to perform so they weren't planning on letting Mike Myers, like, like do a double role. That wasn't that didn't become right. his thing. This may be the movie that made him think that this was going to be his thing. I look back. He doesn't do double roles in uh, in uh, the Wayne's World movies.
0: Mm.
1: Um, but uh, apparently he, he, they, they originally were going to cast somebody else as Stuart. And then Mike Myers, like, apparently, like, did some did some did some stick for them. And they were like, this is the best. You can be Stuart, too. Would you be surprised to learn that apparently he drew on experiences with his own father when portraying Stuart, which is like one of those like throwaway, like cute actorly things. But then he goes, well, Stuart is an unpleasant monster. and <laughs> It feels really bad.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I feel like that's like just what they always say. I don't know. like Kiss I your like... mum
1: or I'll kick your teeth in. I mean, like, come on.
0: I actually think that's one of the nicer things he says. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> You're like, Oh yeah, 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 I get it. He's supposed to be sort of this like crotchety old bastard. I like when he comes down to meet Charlie's girlfriend and he's not wearing pants. That's that's like that's solid.
1: Oh yeah. No no no. And That's so solid.
0: Him sing I love him singing the Bay City Rollers. I love him singing Rod Stewart to the bagpipes at their wedding. Oh,
1: really? I feel like that's a little bit too much. That's them being like, You love this character, you love it and I'm like, No no I don't like
0: <laughs> if you body. want my body and you think i'm sad maybe i just think that song in particular is funny
1: yeah it's, it's fun no it's funny but okay but also having said all of that it's weird that we don't get we don't that they disappear from the movie you want charlie's parents to show up again at the end
0: yeah i feel for like sure. for sure
1: for like a satisfying like even if they're just kind of there and and you know it's kind of like mom and dad
0: you there, know here you are you know what bit character is unnecessary entirely into the story but his joke is so good that i'm into it who alan arkin
1: oh yeah no no i so i have a whole segment down here where i say when you think about this movie uh is it great if we didn't see it as kids would we like it is it good because it's weird is it weird because it's good but you know is it is it mike myers Here's my test. What's the best scene?
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: I would say Tony and Alan Arkin are the best scenes in the movie. I love Alan Arkin in this movie. Alan Arkin. As, the, like, as like, the weird sensitive boss, the part where he goes, I don't actually answer to a commissioner. I, I answer to a committee, <laughs> yeah. some of whom are appointed and some of whom are elected and some of whom are rotated. And I love that, basically... He is like a sensitive 90s boss who happens to be a, a police officer or happens to work in the police department. And he has a sad, frustrated employee who's apparently a reasonably competent undercover cop who kind of wishes he could be a movie cop. And they talk about their feelings and he decides that he will try to help his employee by pretending to be a movie police cop police chief
0: and i also like there's like i got a, the
1: commissioner on my ass there's that's a beautiful
0: great. moment there's a beautiful moment too at the end where he's like that's so much better and to me like you could interpret it as that's so much better than when you're sensitive and like normal to me but i interpret it as he's tried this before and this is like take two.
1: Oh, yeah 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 which i but like even says,
0: more because
1: it's just, yeah do you like where he says too too many ethnic slurs <laughs> too, too, with the ethnic
0: slurs too much he's like Oh, that was a great great great
1: Yeah, no, I don't know, but like Alan Arkin is actually, and I think a lot of the um, even people I don't especially like, I don't especially care for um, uh, Michael Richards, um, you know Kramer,
0: right? But like his
1: scene, his scene is good. I also think the scene with um, the scene with the pilot,
0: the scene with the pilot, I think is could contend as one of the best. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, that's also on my list. Those are amazing.
0: (laughs) The best. I've
1: done it lots of times. Never done it at night. (laughs) Yeah, the best. That's Okay. Oh,
0: I also I also think the beat poetry scenes are very very funny. Um and yes. and like enjoyable yes. to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a I How do you feel about the scene in the butcher shop?
1: I actually I have them on their list. I think this movie loves a montage. Yeah, and I'm kind of there for it. I, the butcher shop montage. He's Mike Myers is doing a bunch of like sticky stuff. And if you went into a real butcher shop and they like drafted somebody who was like, "Yeah, my dad's a butcher," in the most contrived way possible, of course I'll help you handle meat for the public. And then he's doing all this stuff. You you would want to punch him in the in the nose. But I think that montage is good. I think the punch montage right will be kind. Butt. I think I think the montage where we see them kind of dating and like falling in love and sort of establishing that time. Maybe they're in love or I, who knows. But you know, they sort of like establish time has passed, and he's like helping her pick out clothes, and they're. You know, like uh, I forget what they're doing. They like are like going on dates and stuff like that. Like it does a good job. They do a good job of sort of developing this kind of like fun, jokey warmth between them. Um, And I think that showing that Charlie kind of wins her over by being just sort of a like lovable goofball gives gives the story a little bit of believability instead of him being like, hey, babe, what's up? You in love with me now or what? You you know what I mean? It kind Mm -hmm. of it. It does work. Um, that it it sort of allows them to kind of have stuff happen without having to completely uh, act out and show us everything. We sort of understand how how this relationship goes and how it develops and perhaps like what Charlie is like in real life, quote unquote.
0: Yeah, I like those scenes too. I do think that they lean too heavily on montages and maybe that's because the montages are some of the best moments Mm -hmm. in the film. Yes, yes, yes. There are like, I feel, I feel like there are just like, it's like too much or they're too long or you're like, oh, we could have used, we could have used a little bit more character development there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, do you think maybe that the um, lack of character development is maybe um, uh, highlighted by the strange like left turns in behavior that the characters have to have to sort of make the horror denouncement make sense? You know, where like Charlie seems... Charlie just kind of seems like a normal goofy guy, but then also he has to act, you know, act incredibly scared of a health drink or the way that the minute they get to that, um, that weird hotel that, that, that has a Bobby Burns suite, by the way. So this hotel that the, all the beat poets hang out in also has a Scottish poet themed room, you know, you know, you know, that well-known Scottish, uh, segment of the American populace that likes to plug their Scottishness at all moments. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, (laughs) but, but, but like, she suddenly starts acting all cold and weird. Right. And, you know, theoretically, because she was... But, like, she should... I mean... I don't know. It's just... I think it makes the, the... The fact that the characters have to act sort of out of character... Kind of uh, gives away our um, sabotage to the sort of easy breezy development that they've had so far.
0: It also sort of makes it more pop, like where you start seeing the seams where you're like, oh, this is just like kind of a bunch of sketches all mushed together. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that like yes. the characters kind of like twist to fill the plot. Um, mm-hmm. Another really good scene. I love the scene where Amanda Plummer uh, makes Charlie breakfast.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I like that scene She's a lot. She's
1: great and, and weird. Charlie, um, Charlie doesn't have a lot of luck with showers, does he? No. It's kind of weird. I do think his I, I do not love that he cut that he like like walks down like post-coital strut in in, in Harriet's apartment wearing a button up and tidy whities
0: I know. I said who would ever do that?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Charlie, you need a robe. Yeah. Um, or just
0: put on your pants.
1: <laughs> right. But then he surprises her on the shower, which seems like kind of a it's kind of a weird thing. But it turns out it's Amanda Plover. I do like that his reaction does seem to be at least kind of the way a normal person yeah. would react. I thought you were someone I'm sorry, else. Oh God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I
0: thought you were someone else. Like to over-explain <laughs> it, but and also clearly be like horrified. Like, <laughs> and I also like that she doesn't scream.
1: Yeah, but part of that's because I mean we're supposed to remember. Then later she does the like I want. I, I'll tell her that nothing happened. It's like, nothing did happen between us.
0: Right, right. But, like, I don't think... Like, it's not like, wow! Like, that's not... Uh, it's more of what would happen, I feel like.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Where it's... In a sense where it's almost more upsetting for the person doing the... Yeah. Doing the, the barging than the barging The unfortunate
0: peeking Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no. So, the... Originally... Right. Isn't this right? Originally, Sharon Stone was supposed to uh, play Harriet, but she also wanted to play Rose. Yep. Um, And they weren't having it. And so she walked. Um, That certainly would make the movie, I don't know, maybe not more interesting. It would put a different interesting dimension on the movie Um, and would, I think, up the horror quotient quite a bit if Rose and Harriet are at least physically interchangeable. And if you can develop Rose having a kind of weird, like it's just sort of off and is obsessed with Charlie. Um, and then, and then you could have some scene where it's like not clear if it is it Harriet or Rose that he is interacting with or sleeping with or whatever. That, that, that oh, would be really sure. cool. That I would be, a, that would be a totally different movie.
0: Yeah. I didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily think that maybe I think that they would style her differently enough such that maybe it's like you wouldn't, be able to like exchange them. But I, I think it would have potentially given more nuance to both characters and probably would have kind of solved um, the next point if you want to segue into it.
1: Oh, I'd love to. But but I just have a I have a little bit of an ambush question for you.
0: OK, but like I think so, that, that like to to explore sort of like different sides of womanhood through the eyes of a paranoid man, I think is like mm-hmm. what we would have ended up with, which would have been cool.
1: Right. Yeah. It would have been a different kind of movie. But, you know, what I mean, they would have to have some scene running in the hotel and he's like, Harriet, you, you know, you don't understand. It's just the crazy. And then and then like Harriet, then we see like Harriet from, shot from behind or something and she takes her hair down and clearly it's wrote, you know, kind yeah, of, uh, yeah, sure. you know, that sort of thing. They've seen like that. No, my question is, so what if they kept that? Who would you rather have in the double role? Would you rather have double Nancy Travis or double Amanda Plummer? Because hear me out. Amanda Plummer maybe could have been an awesome kind of like quirky beat romantic lead
0: in this movie. Yeah, I, th- I mean, like I don't think that. Not not. She also
1: dis- seems more believable as someone who would own an international butcher shop. Yeah.
0: Um, not to besmirch Nancy Travis's uh performance of this because I think it is very very good. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's um, cute. yeah, she does a good job.
0: Very good. Like it's very believable you like her instantly, but also you can sense that there's like something deeper within her, which is important. She doesn't seem like an airhead even when she's doing things that maybe seem a little airheady, you know?
1: I like it when she's um when uh Mike Myers is like creepily driving past her butcher shop and she's wearing like a like one of those I'm sure there's a Dutch word for it, those little Dutch girl, like weird, like whoop kind of She's wearing
0: hats. a full on Dutch girl costume. She's wearing clogs. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and she's, like, working the, the, like, awnings or
0: something. Yeah, she's, like, opening up the shop for the day and unfurling and, the And, like, awning. he can't
1: help but, like, SNL it up by being, like, whoa, and, like, looking over his glasses and then looking under his glasses. And...
0: Yep. Which also means that, like, this also means that, for further proof that Charlie is, like, a little bit too much grown-up, that means that Charlie is, like, cruising around probably at, like, 9 o'clock if she's, like, opening the store. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Which is funny. Um, He's like he would.
1: would, He's he would. He's doing what normal people would do, driving to work. But
0: he doesn't have anywhere to be. Yeah. Um. He's just enjoying rush hour traffic for no reason. (laughs) Um. But no. Of course. Of course. I don't. I don't know if Nancy Travis could do the role of Rose. So of course Amanda Plummer.
1: Yeah. I'm saying Amanda Plummer. We need a little bit more.
0: I would be interested to see Sharon Stone do this too. I think it would have been great
1: can you Sharon Stone would just eat Mike Myers alive though.
0: <laughs> yeah, you well you wouldn't be able to believe the best thing that Nancy Travis or the kindest thing that Nancy Travis does in this performance is makes it believable at all that like Mike Myers and her are on the same like level like could date. You do mm-hmm. believe it even though it's obviously absurd.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so the basis of this film came up when um uh, Robert N. Freed and uh, Robbie Fox, the writer, were discussing how, like, we're discussing, we're trying to come up with a new movie to write, and then they started talking about <laughs> make women. Make another picture. Yeah, started so talking about women, and they were just like, oh ah, like most women just appear like they want to destroy us, and so they decided to write a movie about uh, a character who thought his girlfriend was trying to kill him. And was kind of right about that, so that seems a, th- really misogynistic. No.
1: Also, that that seems to have almost nothing to do with what this movie actually is about. Well,
0: right, like a, what it actually turns out to be. Yeah, um, yeah. I do, I do think that like they don't shy, like maybe just because Charlie is obviously afraid of commitment and sort of paranoid. Um, I I don't think that this movie. Doesn't contain misogynistic themes. And I don't think you can have a movie where it's like, she's a woman, but she's a serial killer, so that's different, and she's Mrs. Act. Like, they know, ne- I don't think they ever call her a serial killer in this, do they?
1: No. No. Uh, I don't think so. I don't she's think like
0: so. a black widow, like all those sorts of yeah, things. Yeah. You're like, no, if this was really real, she'd just be a serial killer. It'd be horrible, but mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know? Um, So I I do think that there is some misogyny in there, but then the weird tone of it kind of doesn't, makes it hard to land on how you feel about it, even when it turns out that her less conventionally attractive sister is the one doing the murders to protect, like, her beautiful, perfect, free-spirited.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, it feels bad.
0: Yeah. But it's just so muddy at the end, I don't think that it, like, lands that way for me unless I really think about it critically.
1: Right, right. Yes, it. Yeah, I um. So yeah, I don't really think Harriet's trying to destroy Charlie. If the point of this is to like return once again to the well of a man who's afraid of commitment, I um, wake me up, wake me up when you come up with a better better idea for your movie. Um, yeah. but I I do think that uh, we keep dancing around this with the with the with the funny Scottishness, and I think it's only because, of course, what we're saying is that um, when he is originally supposed to be. You know, like Woody Allen and Jewish, we have all kinds of cultural stereotypes about Jewish people. And, you know, being neurotic and paranoid is unfortunately one of them and the crazy family. And like all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, all this kind of makes sense if you're doing kind of a like hack comedy. And he's supposed to be like, you know, have a crazy Jewish family. And, you know, you know, if that was the case, there'd be like some scene where he talks to his therapist. Mm hmm. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah, it just is kind of it's just sort of like weirdly disjointed. Although maybe that actually saves it. Like if you watch yeah, it, right, then true. you'd no, be no, like, "Oh, it was this like is anti-Semitic <laughs> and misogynistic." Yeah, great. <laughs> you know, like if, yeah. like every Woody Allen movie.
1: <laughs> oh man. Um,
0: Except for Sleeper, I, I do like Sleeper, but
1: oh, is that that's the one where he wakes up in the future, right? Yeah, the, the and they discover that like cholesterol is good for you, or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that that was pre- that was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I
0: like that movie. Uh, that that movie is more about sets and costumes than it is about anything Woody Allen brings to the role. But
1: Yeah, but I, so like I, the idea is maybe, uh, I mean, you, you know, right. And, and certainly boy meets girl, boy, boy falls in love with girl. A lot of those traditional stories can have some. How about at least patriarchal overtones in there in like ipso facto, some sure. misogyny in them. Um, I think they try to kind of get away a little bit from that where like Harriet is a free spirit. But also, she can take care of herself and is sort of um, like an adult person. It's not, you know, like, Charlie is the goofy, flighty, manic pixie one more so than she is.
0: Right. Like, she is like an she's actual She's confident job. and she's,
1: like, in command of her sexuality, like, the part. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Like, the thing where he does the, like, well, if we kiss on the couch and we're going to kiss in the bedroom, then if we do that, I was trying to not rush into th- And she's like, no, I definitely want to have sex. And he's like, me too. So, I, I mean, I guess, at least on the surface, that feels like kind of a good life. You can tell they were like, yeah, we're going to hit that 90s. Like, people can just, people could just have, it's fine. They can sleep together. People can make love. Um, Or am I giving it too much credit? And in fact, what's going on there is um, Charlie is like kind of playing mind games with her. Like, I don't want to. But if you want, I mean, if you say it, if it's your idea, then I'm fine with that. Is it, what do you think?
0: Um, <laughs> I can see why you would think it both ways. I mean, I think it's sort of like a little bit dated because what she should say is she should be like, if you don't have sex, that's okay. Like yeah yeah of course like yeah, of course like this is this is definitely <laughs> wait, are, pre... wait are you saying
1: that this movie from 1993 should have had her illicit enthusiastic consent? yeah
0: I mean like that's how I kind of view it so it's like hard to understand really I, I mean I do think sure. the joke is supposed to be that I think the joke's a little bit misogynistic in that we're supposed to see that. Charlie. Like,
1: Women never want to have sex.
0: Or like that Charlie is sort of like oh up in his own head about this which is weird for a man but then the fact that she's a modern 90s woman who's like no I, yeah, I, sure. I have sex yeah. then he's like oh great no now I'm I'm not in my Me head too. about it. Me
1: too. Yeah. Me as well. I learned it from Penthouse.
0: <laughs> totally. Um, the scene where he's like chasing her up the stairs while his pants fall I'm like why? Mike Myers yeah, loves yeah. himself in Tidy White. a little too much
1: yeah yeah yes it, I'm just gonna say it no matter what you no matter how you feel about Mike Myers, he's kind of like Monty Python without the cleverness.
0: yeah. It does not surprise me at all that he like loves British comedy and kind of sees himself as like as like a, an Americanized or a Canadianized version of that. Um, sure. we
1: we We also forget how much British com or at least you and I probably do how much British comedy also though is like Mr. Bean. Very and, stupid. Um, the carry on movies. And uh, I mean, who's that guy who chases the women around while they play like yak and sacks? sax and, Yeah. And Benny, you know, like it's that too. It's not all, it's not all Edmund Blackadder and, uh, you know, John Cleese, like, like making ridiculous faces.
0: I know. And although I bet, I mean, I bet some of that stuff is not. Blackadder I've watched fairly recently and I still really enjoy it. Um, I, I don't know. John Cleese is not purporting himself well lately, for sure. Oh,
1: no, sure. Yeah, no, no, no. The, um, I mean,
0: but, uh, the, there,
1: there are the good Pythons in retirement, and there are the bad Pythons in retirement.
0: Though it does, so uh, you failed to mention one of Mike Myers' most important roles ever, which was to stand uncomfortably next to um, Kanye West West, when Kanye West correctly asserted that George Bush did not care about black people. And you can tell that Mike Myers is like, like not at all prepared for that idea And and to like be there in that moment in that he decides insanely in that moment to just stick to the script and keep going.
1: Just carry on.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, man. I think that
0: his British heroes probably would have purported themselves worse in that situation, but at least would have made a choice.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: You can see his real Canadian politeness coming out. He's like, well, we'll just keep carrying (laughs) on and pretend like nothing happened. It's fine.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Maybe they won't
0: notice if I act extra normal. So you you want to talk about Ralph? Oh, yeah. We can talk about Ralph.
1: So is the ralph thing a, a like a gesture towards bisexuality
0: i don't know i kind of remembered it being like that and then i watched it again and i was like oh he clearly doesn't think that's true
1: but like at the beginning when she's talking it sounds like she's having like a sex dream yep. and then he's like ralph you're your female friend because i don't because I, I didn't right when i thought about it, i didn't really remember that she's very upfront that ralph was a woman at first and so then I yeah I, I kind of remembered it I, I, being I, I, a
0: surprise, but I remember right, like it being when he like meets her, oh she's she like, like, Ralph's a
1: woman yeah she has like, a, I a girlfriend.
0: That. I just remembered that it was a surprise that she was a woman, and he was surprised that she was still alive. Like that's the point, which I think you're supposed right. to also see. But now on rewatch, I think that he doesn't believe that Ralph is a woman, and then when he realizes Ralph is a woman, he can't even conceive of the fact that she so, would so- be a bisexual.
1: And so surprised is he that he rushes down while only wearing a towel, which is, which again, get a damn robe, Charlie.
0: Charlie, put on some PJs. You're in so. she (laughs) does not live alone.
1: I I don't care how like comfortable you are with your body or how well you know someone. It's probably like never okay to come, to come down and meet somebody who's already in the house, who has already been greeted, who doesn't need for you to like let him in or buzz him in. While wearing a towel, and it's definitely not a good idea to initiate physical contact with that person.
0: No. Also, Rose lives there too, and in fact, it is Rose's apartment. So it's rude. Right. It's very rude. Like, I don't care how how comfortable you are, Charlie. How comfortable is Rose with her boy Rose with her uh, sister's boyfriend's nudity all over her apartment? She probably doesn't love it.
1: <laughs> I like it that she he hugs his the towel drops. We get to see Mike Myers' little saggy saggy buttock situation. And then he says, I'm naked, aren't I? Uh,
0: that's the Very worst.
1: Very naked. And Harriet laughs like Charlie is a delight.
0: <laughs> and you're like, Nope. If this happened, you're like, you whoa. would not know where to look. <laughs> You'd be like, Jesus, Charlie, what's wrong with you? It would Get be a it would be the worst thing. <laughs> you would probably break up with that person.
1: Okay, okay, but okay, so fine. So Ralph is her friend. Is Ralph also the murdered... So was she also, she has a friend named Ralph who she has dreams about and cries out coitily in her sleep
0: about. Was she also married to Ralph the murdered plumber? I don't think so. Because she never talks about being in Dallas.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I just, it's... I
0: think it's just a I red mean, herring. But, but why? It's, it's, it's
1: like a red herring that doesn't... It can.
0: Oh wait, but that doesn't make sense because then he the person who says that they killed Ralph didn't commit the other murders. Right, right, Uh, right. right. So, I think
1: the and I understand the plot is kind of thin anyway, but the necessity of trying to like work in all of the very specific Mrs. X murders also is it's a little bit too it's a little bit too much. It's it's we we don't really need all of that. Yeah although I do think Michael Richards who I don't normally care for does a good job in his little cameo scene the thing where they're like making weird weird kind of puns about, about oh, yeah. the very no, murdered actually, people that, that
0: is easily my favorite thing he's ever done
1: easily yeah, yeah, yeah. that
0: cameo is the best and, and you got like the births and the deaths like everything about that scene is good
1: yeah it's good and then I just like I also like he's like no no but but what about his wife he's like okay pal I get it it was insensitive okay I'm sorry I feel bad I'm a bad guy and then the And then when he started, he's like, hey, that guy was my ride. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Are we ready for our last point? Yes. Is this Mike Myers' best movie?
1: Ooh. Ooh.
0: What's better? If not this? (laughs) I think. Because if you rewatch, I mean, I understand that, like, culturally. Yeah,
1: uh, sure.
0: Obviously, Austin Powers is the most successful movie, and it like, and you you can't.
1: It's 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 it defies belief. It's surreal how popular and successful the Austin Powers
0: movies were. Yeah, but have you watched them at all recently?
1: Yeah, I, actually, I rewatched all of them in the last year. The.
0: It is they unwatchable almost.
1: Yes, yes. I would say the first one is the only one that could even be even pretend to kind of hold up, and even then,
0: like his sexual harassment of Vanessa is like you cannot it it ruins the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, for me, it's not. Even, but I mean, I'm not even like watching, being like, oh my gosh, he's, Austin Powers is a bad guy. It's, no, no, no. It's not it's, like it's, it's just it's, not
0: it's, funny. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, and it 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 is also. Perhaps a victim of the thing where, like, you you know, you and all your dumb little friends were, like, doing lines from it on the playground and everything forever. So it, so all of that all of that stickiness is kind of ruined. Um, the double role, the uh, Austin and Dr. Evil is pretty successful in Austin Powers. Um, but the other characters that he plays, like Fat Bastard and Goldmember
0: are uh, not
1: not very good or funny.
0: I didn't. I didn't um, extend beyond the the first. Oh, oh, oh
1: man! So you only watched the good one. But yeah, no. It, Austin Powers is not his best movie. Oh. Um, unless you want to like try to get all up your snoot and be like, well, actually, Inglorious Bastards is the best movie. No, no no, 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 no. You, Yeah. So right. So we got Mike Myers. Vehicle. Get out your snoot. I mean, it's
0: no. <coughs> I mean, like the the only either, contenders are this. It, I'm gonna just put it out there. This movie, yeah. Wayne's World, or Shrek. I think those right.
1: are the only contenders. No, 100%, 100%. And,
0: and probably Wayne's, it's Shrek, but I should probably rewatch it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's Shrek, but even then, like, Donkey, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think this probably is. Um, it's my favorite, this is my, my favorite of his movies. Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2 are pretty good. Wayne's World 2 actually came out the same year as this, too. So, he just, he just put it all out there, and it was all instantly great. And then, then everything else just was not as good.
0: Well... I mean, he made an unbelievable amount of money from the Shrek movies.
1: Oh, and and Austin Powers. Yeah, this is, I think that um, this is a good hybrid Myers performance where he's like not totally just doing sketch stuff all the time. Um,
0: It it does kind of feel, yeah, it kind of feels, I can see that this is a natural extension of his role that he did in Wayne's World. Because Wayne's World is not to the same degree that Austin Powers is, not even close. Right.
1: But it is kind of – Mike Myers is kind of a like a weird flavor of comedian that we don't have so much anymore in that he's kind of like a a mannered, wacky Jerry Lewis kind of deal.
0: Mm-hmm. Jerry Lewis is where, an excellent comparison.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so and I, I'm sure that if I dig and think about it, we can come up with modern people who are kind of like that. But what if they do that anymore? There don't seem to be quite so many comedies where it's kind of like – Hey, this is a normal situation. But what if there was a crazy guy in the center? You know, kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this movie, and I've said this many times, so you you can take a little nap while I say it. This movie does show like an alternate reality where what if Mike Myers didn't immediately get pigeonholed into like the most shtick and prosthetic kind of uh, kind of comedy possible? If he had maybe uh, uh, flexed his acting muscles a little bit differently, um, I think he could have been successful as a sort of like weird, weird, charming, over-the-top actor.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, like this, this does imply that like you almost could see him as like a John Cusack kind of role where he's sort of like an everyman, but he's also like broadly comedic. Like John Cusack has a flavor to him for sure. He has a type of character he can be, but he can explore it in like kind of a, a, there's a wider range of things he can do than you would expect, given that he has such a specific flavor. Yeah.
1: So what do you think? So this movie, great movie or the greatest movie?
0: Um. I really like this movie still, even though it's weird and not kind of a mess. I think it's enjoyable to watch. Uh, it's like the perfect, like, rainy day on a couch movie mm-hmm. kind of thing where it's just sort of light. And but it's like it's captivating enough to keep your attention. You don't have to like this isn't like necessarily background TV, but it's also not terribly challenging. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not my favorite of those kind of movies, but it is it, it it's very solid. So, are you asking for a rating?
1: If you must.
0: Um, So, I gave it four out of five Harbingers of Haggis.
1: Nice, nice. So, I think that uh, I would say that this movie is like Haggis in that it is a very particular flavor. And it's one that is more often joked about than actually indulged in.
0: (laughs) Experienced by an actual person.
1: Right, right. People who like it, love it. And uh, I think that uh, for me, I, you know, having, having watched it since I was a kid, I think it's great and I love it. It would probably be hard to defend if, if directly attacked, because it does have weird warts and everything. But for me personally, I give it five out of five butcher shop montage scenes.
0: Nice. So next time we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming by returning to an episode of Tales from the Crypt, where this... This next one has uh, Malcolm McDowell as a sweet little vampire that doesn't want to hurt a fly in *The Reluctant Vampire*. Wah, wah. Oh, isn't
1: that sweet?
0: Oh, what a little darling!
1: I bet this will be a one for kids, kid-friendly episode. Yeah,
0: you know, like all those times where you're just like, you're like, child, wake up! Hey, hey, I'm watching a, an HBO After Dark mo- television show, but it's appropriate for you.
1: Billy, wake up, put your shoes on, Tales from the Crypt is on, come on. Yep.
0: Thank you, as always, for listening to Crypt Creepers. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, please subscribe, rate, or maybe even write us a little bit of a review. That'd be lovely. As a treat. We can have a review as a treat. (laughs) As a treat, yeah. You can also find us at outrageousmechanisms.com/slash crypt creepers, share show notes, and we're finally getting the ball rolling again with our social media. So watch out for fun gifts on Instagram and Twitter.
1: Till next time, kitties. Charlie had to stay sharp so we could hone in on the details. Even so, he nearly had a terrible accident. Ah, <laughs> Outrageous?